Welcome. So glad that you're with us today. My name is Tim Anderson. I am the Associate Pastor of Youth and Worship at Creekside Covenant Church in Redmond, Washington. And my friend John Coster and I decided to start a podcast. John and I just had so many good conversations and I remember saying to him, you know what? What you just shared was incredible. I would love to do a podcast with you. And as we thought about it and prayed about it, we landed on this idea of sharing stories. We want to share stories of transformation. As people encounter Jesus, become like Jesus, and impact the world for Jesus, anytime they are around Jesus, their lives are transformed. And in the church, there are so many of those stories. And yet, how often do we get to hear them? How often do we get to dive in deep and hear someone's story of their life-changing encounter with Jesus? Well, that's exactly what we want to do here in this podcast. Now, some of the some of the episodes that you're going to hear are going to have just very real and raw details. And like today's episode, for example, uh, John's friend Mary has this incredible story of transformation. And you know what? She doesn't hide too many details. Uh, and there are some there are some conversations here. They're not, you know inappropriate or explicit or anything like that. But if you're if you've got kids around, you might not want to have to explain some of the stuff that she's talking about. So I'd encourage this podcast be saved for students or kids, maybe when they're a little bit older and able to handle some of those uh more important conversations with you uh as as their parents or you know guardians uh, processing it together with you. But all that to say This is an incredible story of transformation, and we want to share that with you here today. So hopefully this is the first of many episodes that you'll hear, but we'd love to hear your feedback. We'd love to hear your responses, but most of all, we'd love to hear how this podcast encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. So let's get to it. Here's Mary's story. It was void of hope, I guess would be the best way to describe it. Like, how do you describe hopelessness? Like, and if you have no hope, there's like no reason to be alive. I mean, who couldn't use a little hope or a little freedom? I'm John. I'm Tim. And we have a very special guest with us today. I met her about 10 years ago. We're going to call her Mary uh, for reasons that will become evident in a few minutes. Uh, So Mary, um, hi, Mary. Hi. Yeah. So I met her in in Beijing. I was exploring some business opportunities there. And one thing about China is it's not a place where religion and Christianity in particular are very welcome. And uh, if you do the wrong thing or say the wrong thing, you can... There's consequences. So you're very careful about what you say, and it's also a highly surveilled society, So which means you're always being listened to. So when I met her, I knew almost in a heartbeat that she was a Christian. But I can't say, hey, so uh, what church do you go to, you know? It's like I knew her. And so we were being very coy. It was like, hey, so what books are you reading? And he's like, well, I'm reading Dietrich Bonhoeffer. So like, who's reading Dietrich Bonhoeffer, you know? So anyway, when she came back- So that was your code word. That was my code word. And I said, hey- Wink, wink, I'm have, reading. <laughs> have you read Tim Keller? Yeah. Wink, wink, yeah. you know? And so <laughs> anyway, so when she came back to the States uh, mm-hmm. for the summer, um, Patty and I were living in New York City. And so we went up to go see her and meet her. 
her fellow, um, her church up there and everything. We just really like our friendship really got solidified. And so we love her. We've been supporting her a little bit. Yeah. Anyway. And so, so we, we have got her to agree to come to Seattle on the way through back to China. And so, uh, so here she is. So hello, Mary. And Hi. We, uh, so we're just part of our deals. We just want to hear people's stories about what their life was like mm. prior to Jesus. So can you characterize your life story from the time? Well, you're a kid. It sucked. Yeah. Now that, that sounds kind of funny, but it, uh, there wasn't, you know, you grow up sometimes in a situation where there's like, oh, I have opportunity. It was void of hope, I guess would be the best way to describe it. And there's going to be good things in my life. Uh, I grew up in a situation where when I was like 17, my guidance counselor was like, hey, keep that job at Pizza Hut. That's a good job for somebody like you. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, hey, thanks. Thanks for like, you know, the opportunity to like get mm. out of this dump. Um, they told me I'd never learn anything a second language like hey get out of that spanish class like you're too dumb for this so uh have a free period and you know try not to like eat your crayons um it was in every way i can imagine just like nothing good could ever come from my life so i drank and i did lots of drugs and i tried to just disappear like as best as i could um, but you were kind of born into the alcohol thing. Yeah. I think I remember the baby formula thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think my parents partied and like did drugs and drank. And it was always like some, you know, just not good situation. You know, right. there was just like shady people around. And we'd go to these like white trash parties. And there's like kegs and beer and pot and, you know, other little white trash kids. And it's like nothing like just everywhere i looked there was no opportunity to have any kind of like role model when i was little how did you feel about yourself back then terrible like if i could have killed myself i would have like i used to try to like erase myself with like my pencil eraser in class like just erase my skin away when you were a kid yeah, yeah. like little like third fourth fifth grade yeah to just like that's like who erases their body like right. that's how like worthless i felt um and i was kind of like around god and I, I i never know how to explain this part it's like mm, like my grandparents like i went to baptist church with them and like i think when i was 12 like i was like i gotta like find something else like there's some part of me that always knew like God has to exist. Like, you can't mm -hmm. just, like, look around and be like, hey, that tree is, like, really cool. Like, how could it not have been created by something? Mm. So I kept trying to figure out who God was. Mm. Like, in earnest, since I think I was about 12, and I was like, oh, I'm going to go to this vineyard church with my uncle's girlfriend or something. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I did that for a little while and I was like, that, there's no answer here. Like I had like really bad nightmares and like the pastor of the church was like, hey, sorry, can't help you with that. Like, good luck. It's like, cool. All right, I'm out. Hmm. So then I didn't go to church for a while and then I found like an Episcopalian church and I like went there and then I stayed with some like really nice people from there. But like all the time I was like drinking and doing drugs and like 
it was like this game of like trying to like survive mm. just survive like it every day that i was still alive was like great now what do i do like didn't die last night like try again today mm. Mm. and it seemed like when i look back at it that's like god was always there i just didn't know how to recognize him i guess right. yeah. and there was like it was i don't know how to describe the hopelessness yeah hmm. yeah what why did you go to church like how i mean you know like do, can you look back and be like oh this is why i went or it's no it's like there was something always in me that was like there has to be a way to get out of this life that i'm in hmm. like there has to be some way to get out of it despite everybody telling me like you're screwed like your mm -hmm. life will never be any better than what you have right now mm -hmm. and did people actually tell you that like where people like saying i mean i know the guidance counselor <laughs> yeah <I> mean, <laughs> that's the person who's supposed to help you like go to college yeah right <laughs> all right so i was living with a stripper and a gay guy and then me and i don't i'm i like when i look back at this part of my life like there were so many drugs like like an insane amount of drugs somebody of my like 95 pounds should have died like on a regular basis and uh as i woke up this one day and i was just like screaming in the living room like i was just like half dead strung out like and i just couldn't take it more anymore and i was like god if you exist if you are there i need help like plain and simple just help me and like an hour later, somebody from my past called me like, hey, do you want to go to this kinship, like a small group tonight with me? And I was like, uh, uh, yeah, yes. And I went with like a 1.75 liter jug of vodka. <laughs> you brought it to <laughs> the small group? Yes. <laughs> like, be, like, like in my hand. For yourself or were you sharing it? Oh, okay. No, I, okay. Was, I was not going to share that. Okay. That was, that was for me. <laughs> wow. And I showed up and there in this room were just like normal looking people and like some pierced tattooed people and some business looking people. And I just sat down and people just talked to me. Like I was like a human. And I think it was like the first time people like looked me in the face and didn't treat me like trash. And uh, one of the, the ladies was like, oh, hey, there's this like prayer thing on Friday night. Do you want to come? And I was like, you're inviting me back? Like not telling me I should leave? She's like, yeah, yeah, come on out. And I was like, okay. So I went to prayer on Friday night and some people prayed for me. And it was like really like, I I could remember what they said, but I just remember being like, wow, I don't feel so terrible right now. So this lady's like, oh, on Sunday morning, do you want to get coffee with me? She tricked me. She totally tricked me. I was like, yeah, sure, I'll come for coffee. So we're having coffee, and she's like, oh, oh, the time, church is about to start. Come on, let's go, and just, like, walk me across the street. Like, you know, I was still, like, half drunk and kind of high, and, but, like, nobody was ever, like, go away. It was always just like, yeah, okay, it's fine, like you're fine be here be here drunk be here high be here smelly be here without your shoes on just be here so how old were you at the time 19 19 wow yeah. 
So I did this internship at the church. Oh, you did? Like straight out of the gate. Like I th- I think I showed up in like November and in August. I was like, yeah, I'm going to like do this thing. I like, I just, I want to figure out who God is and who am I, yeah. right? So I just do this internship. No idea. That's where I learned about Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Uh, got right? it. So you're like, read this book about like the cost of discipleship to do that. And I was like, gung-ho, like I'm going to be a missionary in China. Like that's it. I know it. That's what I'm doing, except for like I was still drunk and I was still high and like still just like eking out my life trying to like figure things out for God. And then I got this like great job insulating houses and I was like finally making some money that didn't involve like stealing cars, stealing things (laughs) and like illegal activities and, you know, like whatever, like bumming around town. And I thought it was just like really great job. And then I like fell and got hurt and like damaged my spine and my shoulders. And I had like a long road of recovery from that. And I was sitting around my apartment and I was like, how am I ever like going to get to China? Like, this is ridiculous. And like during the internship, the guy running it, he was like, uh, so you just you go teach english in china that's fine and i was like are you freaking crazy like how dumb is that like i can't even speak good i speak bad english (laughs) i barely spell my own name there's four letters in it right like how am i gonna (laughs) teach english he just like kind of shook his head at me right and so it's been like all these like four or five years like just grinding on me grinding on me like how am i ever gonna get there and so i made one little phone call to like the resource center for like the community college to be like, Hey, can you guys like help me go to school? And this lady was like, yeah, sure. Come to the office, blah, blah, blah. They like got me all hooked up to go to community college. And I was like, wow, this is cool. And that's the thing with God is like, like all it takes is like one tiny little action forward. And then he meets you where you're at. Like it was no struggle. I literally made a phone call which at the time seemed like, you know, the phone weighed like 900 pounds to like make that phone call. Mm -hmm. But everything fell into place from that moment. Mm -hmm. And that was a moment where I was like, okay, this is what I'm doing now. Mm -hmm. Tell us about going to Senegal. So I went to Senegal. My, the church that I go to is this like real small church. So we raised enough money to build a training center in the middle of nowhere, Senegal. We were like digging pennies out of cars to pay for it. You know, and you like find those pennies and they like turn green. Yeah. We were like depositing those. <laughs> and uh, so I was the first person to go through this training program. And uh, I was still drinking, still kind of partying, and still a total screw up. And off I went to Senegal. <laughs> To be a missionary. To, be, to, to learn how to be a missionary. Ah, okay. <laughs> which was also like being a missionary. Because I still prayed for people and like did ministry stuff and learned how to survive in like another culture and another country. So I learned French, which was a huge miracle for me because my whole life I had been told like, this won't ever happen. Like your, your brain is just not wired for this. So people prayed and I learned French. And then when I got to Senegal, I learned Jola, which is like what most of the women there speak. So, like, mm-hmm. they don't go to school, so they don't learn French. So then I learned Jola. So it was, like, kind of, like, kicking the devil in the teeth a little bit of, like, oh, I can't do this? Well, 
I'm going to double down and learn another language right. through another language. Like, all right, eat it. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> right. So that was really cool. Like, got to be there. Came home, took like a crash course in Chinese and off to China I went. And that was in what year? 2009. 2009. Yeah. And you've been there ever since. Ever since then. Except for summers. Yeah. Except yeah. except for most summers, but not most all summers. summers. <laughs> not all summers. <laughs> Tell me about your journey there. Um, I was thinking about one of the stories you told me about when the church came out and visited you and you got snockered. <laughs> all right. So like three people from the church came in my first year. So I was still drinking, right? Like I think I was 20, 27 when I left. I turned 28 like when I got there. Right now, how much faith is that? You know, do people have to have in you to send you halfway across the world still half drunk and sort of high? <laughs> okay. A cool. lot of faith. It takes a lot of faith. Yeah, yeah. you know. Yeah. <laughs> and like, you know, like, yeah, really it does. Mm -hmm. Like, all right. Like, because, you know, like, people get real judgmental about stuff they see. But mm. what about, you know, it's like, oh, it's easy to point fingers at the drunk. Like, oh, mm. like, clearly you're a basket case. But like. People got problems. They're just better at hiding it than I was, you know. Yeah. I wasn't trying to keep any of that on the down low. Mm, right? Right. So they came to visit, and I was playing that game where it's like, how much can I drink without getting too drunk to irritate everybody, but to, like, stay drunk enough that I don't irritate myself? Mm. And it was, like, a disaster of a trip. You know, because it was like, I I really didn't know what I was doing. You know, it's like, oh, hey, come yeah. visit me. What do we do? Like, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know how to, like, take you guys around or, like, it was rough. Mm -hmm. But we got through it. Yeah. And they left. And I got, I mean, just blind drunk, like, drinking some, like, Chinese rice liquor have no idea <laughs> have no idea how I got from like Shanghai back to like where I live. Woke up halfway outside of my door, halfway in the door, and was just like I was like three days later or something. And I was just like, I never want to live like this again. And I haven't had a drink since then. Wow. Like like that. I was just like, all right, I'm done, God do something else. Wow. So I've been sober, I've been clean since that day. That's been like twelve and a half years. That's yeah, cool. That's amazing. Yeah. So at what point did you really notice or, I mean, was there a moment or was it just kind of like this, you know, we're talking about transformation, yeah. right? So like, was it, was it this, uh, was it a slow process kind of, or was it a, were, are there key moments along the way? I mean, that was one of them, yeah. right? So like some of it was like really slow and some of it happened over, literally overnight. I uh, was at a small group and I was like, I can't keep living where I'm living. And somebody was like, you can come stay with me. And I was like, okay. We left the small group meeting. Those people showed up at my house, packed my crap and moved me in like an hour. And it was terrifying. It was like, here's my whole life, everything I know, parties, whatever. Now I'm going to go live with somebody from like a church. And I was like, yeah. good luck with that one sorry 
Yeah. yeah. Wow. Right. So that was one of those quick changes yeah. where it was like overnight you were yep. kind of taken out of your house, taken yeah. out of that. But I had to make the choice. Right? right. Like I had to choose. And like shortly after that, God was like, hey, quit blowing coke. And I was like, oh, that's that's not cool. Like mm. I'm going to get sick. Like this isn't great. And like some people are like, oh, we'll just pray for you. And I was like, yeah, whatever. That's like, that's, that's hogwash. Pray all you want. Ain't nothing going to happen. Like wow. you don't know like addiction. They prayed for me. I never got sick and I never blew coke since then. I was like, I was like 19 when that happened. I was wow. like the first thing that kind of caught me up was just like, whoa. All right. So, wow. y- so your life changed. How about your parents? Because you talked a lot. I don't want to. I don't want to like linger too long there. But I'm curious. That's a big part. That's a big part of it. Right. So my parents, they, I, there was a the church has this like motorcycle Sunday and Christian Motorcycle Alliance would come to the church and they ride their motorcycles and give a little sermon and move on. And my parents ride motorcycles. And God was like, "Call your mom." I was like, "Oh no, I'm not doing that." God was like, "Call your mom." I was like, "Mm -mm, "No, I'm ignoring you. I'm not gonna listen." Like three or four times. And finally, I was like, fine. So I called my mom. Hey, mom, it's Motorcycle Sunday. You want to come to church with me? She's like, what? I'm like, it's Motorcycle Sunday at my church. You want to come or not? Uh." And so she came. Can you describe just for a moment your relationship to your parents? It's not nice. It it wasn't nice. It wasn't good. You know, like they had problems. You know, like my dad was nuts and my mom like enabled him and... I just left as fast as I could because it just, it sucked, mm-hmm. right? But, like, I love my mom, you know? So I was like, okay. so my mom came, and she was just like, wow, this place is awesome. I'm going to keep coming, which I did not like, okay? Like, you wanted your own place. Yeah, that's my space. Like, why are you here? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And my dad got sick. He's got, I don't know, he's got a bunch of health problems. So he's in the hospital and some people from the church went and prayed for him. My dad's like, I don't even know these people. And they would they went and prayed for him. And he was like, my own friends aren't like coming to visit me. Wow. And so like he started to go to church after that. And like it was a slow, long process for them to kind of like figure their own things out. But now they are missionaries in Senegal running the missionary and training program in Senegal. So your so your life was kind of transformed first. Yeah, like Jesus like was like come. Yeah. Somehow, I mean, I'm <laughs> through the fog of vodka. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a good title for the podcast: "Through the Fog of Vodka." That, yeah, that's a good that one. Would, that, would, that would be that good. Would, that would actually probably get some downloads. That's yeah. amazing. Right? Yeah. But I mean, I love. I mean, I love. That's so so honest and. Yeah. Uh, not to make light of it at all. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's really cool. Yeah. So you you were transformed, and then and then kind of maybe against your own will a little bit. Your parents yeah. started to also. And it, it wasn't very long after I started going either. Maybe like the next year, mm-hmm. it was pretty quick. And then my dad did the internship. Then my mom did the internship, and they just they, they, flour- they flourished. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. So one of the things that struck me about you, and I don't want to get too fast into the and now what, because you got a lot of going, a lot going on right, right. now. But one of the things I want to ask you is in the stories, the conversations that we've had, it seems to me um, you're, you're, 
you never you're never putting yourself in the front of the story like i even have to pull the story out of you sometimes right yeah but i think that you come across to me as someone who's really centered in a natural leader and and when when you were running the international program at the at the school in china yeah the stories you tell they're not even stories they're just ideas about how you can help other people flourish your commitment to others flourishing is really astonishing to me where does that come from do you think i assume it's from other people doing the same thing for me it's like mm. people really had to put themselves out to help me i was not easy to help or to love mm. it's like how do you love somebody that continues to destroy themselves will you just keep showing up mm. like that sucks for other people and so it's like it's easy for me to show up for other people because somebody showed up for me mm -hmm. right and so because of that like one two three four other people from around the world have gone to my church done the internship there's a missionary in thailand from that and a couple other guys run kinships yeah so kinships are small groups small groups small yeah, groups, yeah. Mm -hmm. so one word that really struck me when you started talking about your transformation was opportunity yeah and like the opportunity wasn't just for you though yeah because the opportunity was also for your parents right I mean, although although you didn't know it at the time and yeah. you were actually resistant to I it i was very resistant yeah i just think that's awesome yeah i have no other like ideas after that that's <laughs> just thing, like because i think it it's the idea of like you know so often we talk about needing to be transformed from our vices yeah. or from our like sin and those kinds of things but i think what we often miss is people need opportunity yeah people need a purpose or flourishing that's mm -hmm. a great word for it mm -hmm. and i mean you know compare i guess i would just ask you to compare a little bit um the opportunities what am i trying to say compare your life now and the experiences that you have to like what your life was before you started following jesus dumpster fire to an open road mm, i like that <laughs> <laughs> i mean like dumpster fire probably doesn't even do it justice like vodka fueled dumpster fire vodka fueled yeah. dumpster fire yeah, yeah. right there mm. was like how do you describe hopelessness and i think anybody that listens to this that's hopeless could understand that mm. there's no hope like and if you have no hope there's like no reason to be alive and so like the thing i think about god the most was he knew that someday drinking and drugs would have to be addressed but in the beginning i needed some hope first mm. i had to address the fact that like i wanted to die like very much inside had no reason to keep breathing and so god spent a lot of time trying to show or prove or get me to understand that like I have value to the world mm. and so like you know you, like a lot of church people like they look at people and it's easy to to judge what you see but that's not always what God's working on mm -hmm. and so it's like really important like even for like our own selves it's like what does God want to do in my life well I can be like really upset about something in my life right like back then I was really upset that I couldn't stop drinking 
Like, I really wanted to stop drinking, and I couldn't. But God didn't really seem to care about that part. He was still so busy trying to be like, hey, I care about you. Hey, it's going to be okay. Like, hey, you're not really a dumpster fire. Like, hmm. right. And so it was like, don't, like, hey, don't judge your own self. Don't judge the people around you. Like, figure out what God's doing and then get in line with that. I got to give some snaps right there. That was good. <laughs> yeah, that, that was, was good. really good. Oh my gosh. You're making yeah. me tear up a little bit. I'm yeah. not going to lie. No, it's good. That's it's real good stuff. That's good. How do you decide what's important and what you do in your life? Oh, well, that's easy. I just ask God and then I do that. <laughs> and it doesn't matter if I like it or not. Because, you know, life's full of doing things you don't always want to do. Mm -hmm. But like... If you hang around God long enough and you like follow not your own selfish, crappy way of doing things, this thing happens where you see him show up enough and it changes things so drastically that it's like, hey, I'm just going to do this because it's better than what I got going on. Mm. And so I don't really care what I have to do. Now, I'm probably going to regret saying this out loud. <laughs> Sorry, Lord. But it, it has to be better than getting blind drunk and, like, hating my life. Mm. And so I think about Jesus, and, like, I think my favorite part of the Bible is where Jesus is in the garden thing, and he's, like, does not want to go die. And then he says to God, he's, like, okay, not my will, your will. Like, if it's possible, take this cup from me, right? right. Not my will, your will. Like, all right, like. I don't care what God's asking me to do. It's never going to be that bad, right? Like, right. lose all your friends, okay. Like, get stripped naked and beat with a, what is that, like, cat of nine tails. Right, the whips. Then get nailed to a piece of wood. Like, it's not going to get that bad, hmm. right? Like, it, it won't ever get that bad. And if Jesus is my example, right, like, it doesn't matter where I am or what I'm doing. Like, I'm not going to die on a cross. Hmm. Mm. so it makes it not so terrible mm. you know like keep things in like that kind of a perspective it's like i could pray for people why not mm. what else am i doing with my life i could go live on the other side of the world and help people sure why not mm. Mm. yeah i'd love to talk about like what you're doing now though can yeah we, yeah absolutely. can we talk about that yeah, a little absolutely. bit yeah cool so i run this small group in in china mm -hmm. and we meet every week and we talk about Jesus and we see people's lives changed and like people are getting healed and set free. And so give a little context. So you work in a school, you're a teacher, yeah. right? Yeah. So that's kind of like your, your, your day job. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that's my first job. Right. My second job is telling people about Jesus. That's the better job. So, <laughs> so how do you do that? Um, I don't, I don't really know, ever know how to answer that question because it's not like a formula. It's not like I can like write this down on a piece of paper and it works the same every single time. It's like, right. hey, a friend of a friend of a friend introduced me to this lady who's like abusive husband is like a turd. So like, hey, let's get together and have lunch and like share a little bit about my life. And she shares a little bit about her life. And then I invite them around to like what I'm doing. And then slowly, little by little, God changes her life. Mm. Or like my is, is that a true story? Did yeah, that happen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and like she finally got free of that guy and is like taking over my group and like 
runs like an internet like small group when we can't meet in person and is like doing it like she's running things while i'm here in the u.s and like it's awesome to see it's like you want to talk about transformation it's like mousy little lady who's like getting abused by like this giant ogre of a guy like leaves stays gone and is like serving god with all her heart like and flourishing cool. yeah 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 i got a lady her daughter has trickle telomania I, th- I think that's the name of it like she rips her hair out like in clumps like gets stressed out and like got all these bald spots and so mom comes comes around comes around we pray we pray we pray and then she like freaks out and leaves for a little while but like she knows that jesus is like the only way that it's ever going to get better because she keeps trying all these things and nothing works right like so then she comes back she's around then she leaves comes back and recently she came back around and she was just like jesus is the only thing that's going to save my daughter right like nobody here can help her like I can't help her. I can't fix this. So I'm just going to keep coming to kinship and we'll just like keep praying for her. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that right there is going to be the answer to it. Right. That's how you get free. Right. Mm-hmm. right. I have a lady. She's like 90 years old or 91 years old. She takes three buses to get to my kinship. It takes her like two hours. And she comes in the middle of the winter. She comes and hot. She comes in the rain. She comes. Yeah. Right? She just wants to know who Jesus is. Wow. Right. Like. And had she, I mean, did she have any, like, religious connection before? Or I think she goes to, like, a state-run church, but it's not, like, what we, they're not, like, preaching Jesus. They're preaching, like, do good things for your community, kind of a, right. Yeah, it's like a social group, not like a, hey, Jesus cares about you. Right. 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 Yeah. And I had a lot of, like, women that were around um, that were, like, guys i worked with girlfriends so i was like hey what are you doing come on over like learn about jesus (laughs) so that was really cool that was like i had a big influx of like chinese women that were like in that kind of a situation they're like sort of ostracized sort of not that was cool so you oftentimes feel called to go places where it's actually really uncomfortable (laughs) yeah and you don't seem to mind no because you feel like you're called to do this yeah everyone hears god in different ways and sometimes in multiple ways tell me how you hear from god sometimes it's a person yeah sometimes like i hear him for myself Uh uh-huh sometimes it's through a bible verse like Mm -hmm. that happened recently yeah and tell me about it uh so i had this like ridiculously expensive plane ticket to go back to China and I didn't really want to go because you know it's hard and sometimes it's you know I'm human so it's like hey it'd be really nice to like cash that ridiculously expensive ticket in and like move to Mexico now not what God said just what I want to do right like and you can like lie to yourself in so many ways like oh but it's you know it's yeah it's dangerous or it's like whatever I have my crap and so I was like, well, maybe like my flight will get canceled or maybe I won't get my code to go back or maybe, 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 right? Like all yeah, these things, right? Yeah, yeah. And the ticket was really expensive and it's like weighing on me, weighing on me, weighing on me. And I, I was at church on Sunday, like a few Sundays ago. And there's this like great message all about like sometimes you got to hear hard things from like people who you want to hear them from. But that's like how God's speaking. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh. And then uh, the guy talking was like, 
well, we're going to close and, you know, just take your time with God. Maybe, you know, he'll speak to you through music or maybe he'll speak to you through a Bible verse or this or that. And God simply spoke like Psalm 121.3, I think. And I'm going to butcher this, so don't hate on me. But it was basically something like, I won't let your foot stumble. I'm the God who doesn't slumber. And I started to cry, right? Like big old sobby tears. Like, all right, God, I'll go to China. Like again. Like, and, it, and it'll be fine. And I know that's what he told me to do. Like, I'm not confused about it. And I was like crying and a lady came over and handed me a check for seven grand to cover the cost of the plane ticket. And then I cried so hard I gave myself a bloody nose. <laughs> $7,000. Yeah, for a one-way ticket. Just like that. Yeah. Just here you go. Unbelievable. Wrapped in some $1 bills for lunch. She was trying to fool me. <laughs> no way yeah it was like a wad of ones the check in the middle yeah yeah that's amazing yeah that's really cool and now that lady is the mother of a guy of an american guy i met in china in 2009 who i worked with for four years who gave up his whole career in life changed his life his parent his his parents came his dad got baptized got in a relationship with god he passed away, but his mom moved to the church, did the internship, and is like pursuing a her call on Jesus. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like this. Stories of transformed lives. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. So what was really interesting about that was, you can love this. So this Patrick's parents described them prior to, because they came out because they were concerned about Patrick oh, being yeah. involved in some kind of cult thing, right? Yeah. yeah they, talk about that. So, um. Patrick was leaving China and his parents had put like a, I think they put a down payment on a, an apartment for him in Pennsylvania. And literally like, like a week before he was supposed to move home, uh, me and this other girl were like, Hey, you got to come to like do this thing. Like your life sucks. Like it, it can't get any worse. And he was like, okay. So he called his parents and was like, cancel the apartment. I'm moving. All right, there's something wrong with our kid. Like, first chance we get, like, we're going out there to, like, see these wackadoos are doing. And they showed up for, like, a Friday night prayer, and God just simply spoke to Patrick's dad. I don't know what he said. Patrick's dad told his mom, like, everything's going to be okay. Like, he's here, and it's in a good spot, and that's mm. how it's going to be. And wow. so. You described them as checkbox Christians. Yeah, you know, like, <laughs> check, check. Went to church, you yeah. know. Yeah, that's a easy that's a easy way to be a Christian. Oh, I went to church. Check. Oh, I like gave my money to the church. Check. Like, what? Where did you sacrifice though? Like, yep. How would you summarize how God is working, like in your area and just in the church in China in general? I don't know mu that much about the actual church in China. Because it's, you know, I can't really go to it and it's not really safe. But one of my people goes. And so, like, cool things have happened. He's like, oh, I think I have this opportunity to um, share about the Holy Spirit. I was like, do it and just pray for everybody. There's like 50 people at a, like, this meeting. So she prayed for all of them to get baptized in the Holy Spirit. And, like, cool things started happening. She, like, I think her brother in law like brother or brother-in-law i think it's her brother-in-law had some like pain in his back couldn't get up something was wrong she prayed for him over the phone and he was fine like got healed like mm. 
Mm. At Kinship, one of the kids, uh, he had some like trouble with his eyes, and he was like couldn't stop like blinking like really really fast. Like he just couldn't control whatever it was. So we just, we were like, all right, we just pray for him. So we prayed for him, and it got better. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. So it's just like, like that. It's like you gotta pray, and then just get out of the way so God can do stuff. Mm, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I guess that was my other question too, is like, what is, what's kind of the risk of like being a missionary in, or be, I mean, I don't know if I can use that word, but, but doing what you do, the work you do in China, what, what, what is the risk for like a Christian in China? It's risky. Like they could execute me or make me disappear or put me in prison. I think worse than that would be getting deported. Like, at least if I'm in prison, I can still tell people about Jesus. Or if I'm disappeared, I could still tell people about Jesus as long as I still got my tongue. But getting deported would mean that you would have to stop? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Hmm. That would suck. Like, especially if it was, like, before I was done. So you feel like you still have work to do there? Yeah, I got a little something left in me. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. That's awesome. Yeah. Hmm. Why well, you know it's got to be fully set before I can leave. The kinship's got to run like all the way without me before I can go. And what do you think Chinese, the Chinese people that you're working with, what are they hungry for? Like what? Why? Why do they? Why do they see Jesus and his transformation or whatever? Probably for hope. You know, it's like a, it's a society of, just shame. Like, so much shame, like, shame for everything. Shame heaped on shame with, like, a side dish of shame if you do (laughs) anything wrong. (laughs) All the shame. Yeah, it's like a dinner tray of shame. Mm. And so, like, a lot of the people that I'm around are divorced. Their husbands cheated on them. They got mistresses here, there, or, or they're alcoholics, or, like, you know, just... They need something. They need something. Mm-hmm. Well, Which, and they live in oppressive society too, right? Yeah. Where they play psychological games. And, yeah. Yeah. And so Jesus offers freedom from everything. Mm-hmm. And he offers hope. And people need freedom and they need hope. Amen. <laughs> right? That's good. Yeah. Yes. What is it? Yes. There's, yes. There's, there's something, some Bible verse. I'm so bad at those, but it's like where the spirit <laughs> of the Lord, there is liberty. Yeah, there's freedom. Yeah. 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 That's what people need. And it mm. doesn't matter China, here, there, wherever it is in the world, people just need to know like, hey, God kind of likes you. You know? Like, you know. <laughs> likes you. <laughs> well, you don't want to scare people with like hey god loves you because then everybody just thinks you're full of crap <laughs> i love though that like the opportunity was there for you and then you're like i i realize that people need this it's not yeah. just me it's not just my parents it's not just this random kid who moved or his parents yeah it's like all over the world there's this need for freedom and for hope and for yeah hope. yeah yeah right? mm. I mean, who couldn't use a little hope? Yeah. Or a little freedom. Yeah. Or like something better than what they had. Yeah. And that's the cool thing is like, I don't care. Like you got it good. God's got it better. You got it terrible. That's easy. God's got it better. Yeah. Like there's always something else that can happen 
with your life mm-hmm. like bigger than you yeah and that's the cool part about like figuring out who god is in your life and, like figuring out who you are and how those two things like fit together and then it's like cool i'm just gonna live like that then that's awesome yeah. <laughs> that's so good uh do you think that people in china uh who are feeling that kind of repression or shame or whatever and also don't have free access to like like christianity do you think they're more receptive to the gospel like you're saying if you've got a terrible that's easy right i mean yeah. so do you think people are more open to like putting their faith in jesus or following him i don't really know because i think hurt people are open you know right. like wherever you are it's been a long time since i've lived here so i'm not really sure <laughs> yeah sure no hurt people are i mean that's a good point that's yeah. a good point you know? yeah cool because i think people are just people no matter where we are we're all just trying to eke out some life where however it is that we're living like people just try to eke it out like all right i'm just gonna survive i'm just gonna get to the next day i'm just gonna like do this thing and like if if people could have like an encounter with God like I did and it was a really simple one and it was like by myself and it was me just telling God the truth like I need help are you there or are you not like show up if you are then and he did and it was like really like that honest moment of like I don't have anything else holding me together or to do or to offer or anything it's like you just have to help me right or it's over like there there was no other option and i find that still is the case is like wherever i'm at where it's like hey is this gonna happen god like you gonna get me home no yes like hey i'm out of options oh okay door (laughs) opens and you can go home now like like it in october of last year i really felt like god was like oh you're gonna go home this summer i wasn't able to come home last summer and then it was like getting closer 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 to like the time to come home and shanghai locked down like completely like shut down foreigners i think you had to like sign a paper saying like you would never come back to china again if you left during this time and i was like i thought you said i was gonna go home right like i thought you said this and there's like doubt you know right it's hard to like always have faith right there's like this whole thing where it's like sometimes i have faith and sometimes I am terrified out of my skull of like what is gonna happen here. Okay, God, help. You know, like mm-hmm. what's up? Like, yeah. what, what do I do? And it's like, okay, make your preparations. Like you're going home. And every single step of the way, God opened the door. All of them. Not one single hiccup in my trip home. Got home, and not one single hiccup to go back. I'll go back tomorrow. Yeah, be awesome. Okay, we got five minutes left. I want to hear. I want to hear the cool stories about the lockdown and the food. You got to tell that. <laughs> yeah. All right, so we're locked in, like totally locked in. The school's locked down. The school's locked down. It's me and four other foreigners locked in the school, right? And we were trying to get a grocery store delivery, so we stay up till midnight, and you like jam that button as fast as you can. Like your cart is already full, everything's ready to go, and like you click buy now no delivery like all the time slots kept being taken like three weeks and we're like 
starting to like really run low on food. We're eating like twice a day. And it's scary. Like, you know, like you live in a communist country. They don't care if you starve. That's history. So send a message home. It's like, all right, guys, like, can you guys like pray like something happens? Like we need food. <laughs> so church is praying. And then uh, one of my students' fathers has a connection to a farm. And he delivered so much food that like a full freezer and full refrigerator side of like a stand-up fridge freeze full of food completely full you like a drawer was full of chicken legs and i don't mean like what you would understand in america of like pre-packaged chicken legs and little styrofoam things i'm talking like a bag of 10 kilos worth of chicken legs poured into the drawers <laughs> because there wasn't enough space it was in a bag like a gigantic trash bag wow and pork and chickens like whole chickens with their feathers still on and kiwis and kilos of onions and giant bags of mushrooms and eggplant and carrots and I mean just more food than we could even go through we had so much food the security guards from the school would like come around at night and like knock on the door and be like oh could we have five chicken legs please (laughs) wow (laughs) like and so fast forward we get out of this lockdown and we were some of the only people to have meat for the entire time oh my goodness yeah and and this was this was a really cool thing. So we were locked up, and it was starting to like grate on me, right? Like it was like a couple months. Yeah. Getting tired of it. Getting tired of it. Getting tired of it. And uh, so I, I I messaged the guy who runs the church, and I was like, Hey, can you like pray about this? Like I gotta like get some freedom. So they had prayer on Friday night, and he declared that I would be set free on the tenth of September. And a couple, three days later, uh, the president of China declared that my district would be set free on the 10th of September. Come on. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. So, yeah, that's what's up. Yeah. Hey, Mary, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. I mean, there's more stories to tell. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. You know, it's such an encouragement to hear these kinds of stories, stories of transformation. Mary's story is just a reminder that God is always at work in our lives. You know, she prayed. She talked to God and she still does. She's not perfect. But after meeting Jesus, she found a new opportunity. She found a new way to flourish. Hopefully this was an encouragement to you. Today, we'd love to hear your feedback or your thoughts or share stories of your own. And if you're interested in sharing your story here um, in our podcast, we would love to chat with you more about that. You can get a hold of me at Tim A T I M A at ecreekside.com and send me an email. We'd love to connect with you. And would you just continue to pray for Mary? Would you continue to pray uh, that more people around the world would just hear, hear the call of Jesus, hear the voice of Jesus, the invitation to follow him in their lives?
Thanks for listening today.